You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So we're discussing life's big questions. We started with, um, does life have purpose? And how do I know for sure there's a God? Last week we focused on the question, um, why does God allow pain and suffering? And today we're going to focus on the question, um, it's a heavy one, okay? Um, I think we all live there. I, I look around this room this morning and I see the youth in this room. And it's really just kind of asking, so is Christianity too narrow? Do you ever, do you ever have times in your life when you think, what about people who don't know Jesus? And, and what about people who have never heard of Jesus? What about all of these other religions? So what about all of those people? So one day, Jesus is with His disciples. And, and here's what He says to them. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then here's what he adds to that, okay? You ready? He says, No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And nobody, nobody comes to the Father except through me. And so some people have listened to Jesus' words and responded, Jesus, don't you think maybe you're being a little bit too narrow? So what is it with Christians? That they claim to understand what truth is and they believe they're correct and therefore other people must be wrong. And it seems to me that it sounds much more tolerant, much more humble. If we just kind of relaxed ourselves a bit and said, you know, there are probably many ways to get to God. The problem with that kind of thinking is that we're searching for something very important. And what we're searching for is truth. And so if I said to you, there's a fire over there, there's a flame burning, you can go over there, look at the fire, but whatever you do, don't put your hand in the fire. Because fire will burn human flesh. You will burn yourself if you hold your hand in that fire. And so you may respond, Rick, don't you think you're a little narrow about your view of fire? And I would say, oh, I think I'm really narrow about my view of fire. But I believe it's true. Just as much as I believe Jesus when He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes to the Father except through Me. Because in my world, see, I hear something very different than that. In my world I hear, well, there are are many ways to God, you know. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I am the way. But my world would say, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like there are many, there are truth many places. And Jesus says, no, I am the truth. 
I'm saying you can find life in many other ways. No, Jesus says, I'm the life. What I'm trying to say is simply this, that I hear my world saying there are many paths that lead to God. And Jesus says, no, no one comes to the Father except through me. How are you feeling right now? Are you okay? I'm okay with saying that truth is narrow. I'm okay with saying there is a way to God and that is through Jesus Christ. I'm not struggling here. I love this, this concept. Grace, grace is really wide. But sometimes truth is very narrow. And so when I open the Bible and I want to learn more about Jesus, what, what is He like? Here's what I read about Jesus. I read that Jesus is full of grace. And He is full of truth. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be grace-filled. I want to be grace-giving. I want to be full of grace. And I want to be full of truth. And so there's this probably pause button I should hit for a minute before I go on any further and just say to you that I don't have everything worked out in my head as most of you don't have everything worked out in your head in regard to people who don't know Jesus or who have never heard. I know that two weeks ago I read you from Romans 1 where the Bible teaches us that from the creation of the world we have seen God's invisible qualities, His eternal power. They have been clearly seen. I understand that God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has revealed Himself to people. And the Bible says, therefore man is without excuse. God does not hide out. God makes Himself known. I read in John 1 where it says that Jesus is the light for every man, every man, not some men, not certain people, every man. And I don't fully understand all of God's revelation. I just know that He makes Himself known to all people. But I also believe with everything in me when Jesus says, I am the way to the Father, that He is the way to the Father. And so I think the question that is probably relevant for us in this conversation is you have made a choice to be here on Sunday, and many of you come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I think the question for us to deal with this morning is how do I say those kinds of things? And how do I live in community with, and how do I respond to people who struggle with my exclusive claims about Christianity. So what did Jesus look like, His face looked like when He made those statements? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through Me. Did He say it like this? Hey, I'm the way. Guys, I want you to hear me, okay? I'm the truth. I want you to get this. I am the life. Nobody, and buddy, I mean nobody gets to the Father unless they pass through me. You got that? Or was it this smile on his face and his arms open and he looks into Thomas' eyes and he smiles and he says, Thomas, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life you're looking for. Nobody comes except through me. So come on. 
And so when the Apostle Paul talks to people in Ephesus about these certain beliefs that are kind of filtering in, you know how he says you should deal with this kind of thing? He says you've got to speak the truth in love. And so I want you to go with me to the book of Acts. Okay, chapter 17, I'll start with verse 16. And I think what Paul does is he gives us a very good example and some very good instruction on how we interact with people and how we share faith with people who might struggle with our exclusive claims about Christianity, okay? So Acts chapter 17, and I'll start reading with verse 16, all right? So we'll put the words on the screen for you as well. So while Paul was waiting for them... And since we've kind of broken into the middle of the story, he's waiting for a guy whose name is Timothy and another guy whose name is Silas. They were in a place called Berea. They were doing ministry there and some Jewish people stirred up the crowds. Some people began to wonder if it was really dangerous for Paul to be there and if his life was in jeopardy. And so they got him out of town. They get him to Athens and now he's waiting in Athens for Silas and Timothy to meet him. So, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, rather... He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And so he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jew and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. And some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? And others remarked, well, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news. This is important stuff. He was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. And so then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears. And we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. And so Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and, I'm sorry, Areopagus, and said, People of Athens, see that in every way you are very, I see in every way that you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. 
In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. For He has set a day when He will judge the world with justice by the man He has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising Him from the dead. And so we give thanks this morning for God's Word. Amen? I was sitting at a family dinner, a large extended family dinner. Um, there were, oh, I don't know, maybe around that table, uh, 12 or 15 of us. And uh, most of the people sitting around the table were people who professed to be Christian. We do have uh, one member of our family who, who does not profess to be Christian, uh, an uncle. And at that point in his life, rather, he did not. He, he had lived what I would call a very openly sinful life. So he, he wasn't like trying to cover up the life that he was living because we were all following Jesus. He was just very open. We were sometimes amazed at his openness. And, and so in the conversation about him, he also made a lot of money, a lot of money. And it seemed to me that there was a little jealousy around the table about that. But his brother... His brother leaned forward. His brother who talks a lot about the Bible. His brother who talks all the time about his church. His brother leaned forward and with a smile on his face said, Well, I'll tell you one thing. One of these days, with a smile on his face, he said, One of these days, he's going to bust hell wide open. I was... I was confused. He talked about his brother going to hell with a smile on his face. I didn't get it. It was like that was going to bring him some kind of joy. Because all of his life he had tried to honor God and go to church and do what's right. And his brother didn't. He didn't believe like him. He didn't practice what he practiced. And so he, he acted like maybe one day when he got his, that would be a good day. I'm going to make you uncomfortable with my personal family story here, but i got to ask you, how do you feel about people who don't believe like you believe? People who don't love Jesus like you love Jesus. Because when I open the Bible this morning and I look in Acts chapter 17, I find a guy. And I want us to look at his life a bit this morning because I find a guy whose name is Paul who has this heart's desire and this burning within him to go other places, to leave home, to leave what's comfortable, to leave what's familiar, because there are people who don't believe what I believe, who don't know what I know, and I've got to tell them. I'm not mad at them. I don't call them names. I don't make fun of them. I don't look down on them. They make my heart sad. I want them to know Jesus. And somehow we've kind of missed it there. We don't find ourselves going to great extremes to share Jesus with those people. We just talk about them. How do you view people who don't believe like you believe? So, Tuesday night we had a board meeting. Your church has a board. An administrative board. 
And so we meet about once a month. And so we informed the board members when they were coming to the meeting that we would not meet here, that we would actually get on a bus and we would drive downtown because we've been praying for our city. And we thought it would be really good if we went to the city with our church board. And so strategically, we dropped board members off at different restaurants downtown. Like three or four board members at each restaurant. And we tried to choose restaurants where people ate that maybe did not look a lot like us. I don't know, maybe they don't think a lot like us. Meaning me and my church board. I don't know what everybody believes, but the chances are some of those people might not have believed like us. When you say, what do you mean they were different? I mean, they they dressed different, they they were different. I mean, we were the ones who stood out, they didn't. We were the only ones in the restaurant that looked like us. How How do you view people? who don't really look, act, think, maybe even believe like you? I think there's a better question. And I think it brings me back to this great man, the Apostle Paul. And the better question is, how do those people view us as Christians? I'm tired of being labeled as hypocritical and judgmental and legalistic. But sometimes I earn those titles. Sometimes I don't do what I say. And sometimes I'm judgmental. And I know that God is working in my life. But we need Him to turn it up, right? And so Paul looks through this other lens. He's not like that at all. And so what he does is he sees people and his heart breaks for them. And he says, I will leave home and I will leave comfortable and I will leave familiar. And I'm going to go because these people don't believe like I believe. They don't know about Jesus. I've got to tell them. And so I want to take a few minutes to look at this passage with you and focus on how he tells them. So so sometimes when when I was young, my girls would would not pay a lot of attention to what I would say, but they would sure look at what I did. And I remember saying, you know, hey girls, you shouldn't do that. And I remember a few times them saying, you do that. And so, so what I said was of value, but what I did was of more value. And so we will pay attention to what Paul says, but we will also pay attention to what he does as we work through this passage, okay? So here's what he does. He does something really crazy, really wild. You ready for this? Here's what he does. He engages in conversation with people about Jesus. Go figure. He goes to Athens, and while he's there, he's waiting for Timothy and Silas, and he walks around town, and he sees in the city, rather, how they've got all these idols they worship. It bothers him. It moves him. He goes to the marketplaces, and he goes to the synagogue, and he engages in conversation with people about Jesus. Verse 18 specifically says, he talked to them about Jesus and the resurrection. And so there's a lady who shows up here every Sunday for church. And she lives in a typical neighborhood. She got in her kitchen and she made a bunch of cookies. And she knocks on her neighbor's doors and she delivers to them cookies. And she says to them, 
I would like to invite you to my house on Thursday night. If you would like to come, we're going to talk about Jesus. Now this is going to blow your mind. Guess what happened Thursday night? A bunch of ladies showed up at our house to talk about Jesus. We got these other people that go to our church and they move to this new neighborhood. So you know what they did? They baked cookies. They took them to all their neighbors and they said, we're going to have a neighborhood party in our yard. Now this is nuts. About 60 people showed up in their yard. And so Paul just does this really simple thing of saying, I think if people don't know about Jesus, maybe the only way they're going to know is if somebody talks to them. And so I think I'm going to talk to people about Jesus. And so he engages in conversation. And so, there's some people standing around who are Epicurean philosophers. He said, I don't know what an Epicurean is. I don't think I would recognize one if I met him on the street. Really, it would be the equivalent of an atheist. There were Stoic philosophers. They would be pantheist. Uh, Someone who would say that all the universe and all of nature um, is identical with the divine. It's all God. And they invite him to a meeting of this ruling council. It would be the equivalent of our maybe Supreme Court. Maybe not as strong by the time Paul meets them as they were in one time in history. And he begins to talk to them because he is invited. The the, the second thing I think that is important to notice that Paul does is he shows a lot of respect. I've noticed that you're very religious people. As I've walked around your city, I've seen what you're doing. You're very religious Look at you. You're obviously searching for God, you know. I saw this one altar with this inscription, the unknown God. I'd like to talk to you about that. And what happens is they invite Paul to talk more about God. We would love to hear more about what you're teaching. What you're saying is strange to our ears. Would you tell us more? And so he engages in conversation with people about Jesus. He shows respect. He doesn't say something stupid, which is really important. And when asked, he begins to answer their questions. So this is where, this is where, this is where it gets hard. I want to. I want to be good. You know, I do. I want to. I want to follow Jesus closely. I want to share Jesus with people. But I don't get a lot of people asking me to tell them more. So are people seeing stuff in your life? Are you engaging in conversations with people about Jesus? And are they saying to you, with eyes filled with interest, I want us to talk more. I want to hear more about what you have to say.
Paul clearly makes Jesus the center of his conversation as he's in the marketplaces and the synagogues and he's talking about the resurrection and he introduces to them this brand new idea, this concept that they have not yet considered. And here's the concept. You ready for this? In all their religions, and they had many idols that they were worshiping, it was all about me trying to find God, me going to God, me searching for God. Can I find God? And Paul tells them about Jesus. And he introduces this brand new idea. It's when God comes to man. And he talks to them about the resurrection. And sin and death has been defeated. And what He offers through Jesus now is life for everybody, whosoever. That's what He offers. So how'd it go? I didn't read you the last paragraph on purpose. I didn't want to spoil it for you. A couple came to my office a couple of months ago to sit down and talk with me. You know what they said? There are people all over this city. From every country that you can imagine. And every faith and religion that you can imagine. And God is calling us to not be silent to those people. But to talk to them about Jesus. Here's a great plan. Enter conversation with them. Engage. Be respectful of their religion. And speak the truth as Paul did. And so some people heard what Paul said. And the Bible says in the next paragraph. They sneered at what he had to say. Not interested. It says there was another group of people. A second group of people who wanted to talk more. I hear what you're saying. I would love to hear more about what you have to say. We would love to hear more. And there was a third group of people who became followers of Jesus and believed. And that's what my experience has been. I've talked to people about Jesus and they have not been interested. I knew that, man, the seed was not falling on good soil. And there's been other people who wanted to talk more, but they had not yet made that commitment to Jesus. And then there's other people who say, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. So is Christianity too narrow? Narrow, yes. Too narrow, no. Truth is sometimes narrow. And I think the question that's relevant for you and I is how do we interact? How do we live in community? How do we find friendships? How do we talk to people? How do we witness to people who struggle with our exclusive claims about Christ? And I think there's this awesome example that we find in Acts 17 where we engage in conversation. We've been saying for a long time here, you've got to invite Invite people to what? Invite them to coffee. Invite them to lunch. Invite them to your home. Invite them to our, you know, lives. Invite them to our church. Invite them to faith conversations. Invite them hopefully one day to know Jesus. But we've got to be inviting. And we show respect. 
And then we speak the truth with a lot of grace. And so I'm, I'm done, and I'm just going to kind of make this challenge, and then we're going we're to stand together in a minute. But here's, here's what I want to say to you. We've been a church here for over 100 years, and there's a lot of great history here. You know, I look around this morning, and I see the ages of the people in this room, and I think there's a great future here as well. It's really exciting. I mean, I wish you could just stand where I stand and see what I see. It overwhelms me. And so what do we look like from this point forward? I mean, we could hang out. We could just kind of do church every week. But who's interested in that? I'm not. But I think about a city that we're a part of. And a lot of people in this city don't believe like we believe. A lot of people in the city don't know Jesus like we know Jesus. And there's an opportunity here, and God calls us, counts on us, invites us to invite other people to be a part of a kingdom that's different than any other kingdom they've ever been a part of in their lives, the kingdom of God. And so I'm asking you this morning to pray with me. So would you, would you stand? And Kyle's going to come and we're going to sing together. And, and so we'll, we'll pray before we go. And if you want to pray around the altar, you're welcome to do that. If you want to pray where you are, you're welcome to do that. You know, I want you to pray for me. I'm your pastor. And I want to lead the church well. And I want to be faithful to Jesus. I want you to pray for yourself that God will give you the courage and maybe the conviction to engage people in conversation. Speak the truth in love. To invite Maybe this morning you want to become a follower of Jesus. There will be pastors here and you can come and they will pray with you and lead you in that prayer. Or if you want to be anointed for healing, you can come. Or if you're going through a tough time in life, you can come. I don't mean that the altar is only for one thing today. Feel free to come and pray. Man, would you pray with me this morning? And if a bunch of you wants to get around the altar with me this morning... I would love that, and let's pray that God puts it in our hearts to reach people, people who are even different from us. So let's sing, and let's pray together, okay? Jesus.
God bless you. I hope your day is, is great. And uh, God will bring these words to you throughout the day. You're dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.